Hello, it's Kyle Pendleton, and this is another episode of A Skinny White Kid Talks About Movies. Today I'm talking about West Side Story's Side Story. This episode is not really about West Side Story. It is about the legendary director Steven Spielberg, a legend, maybe the legend, and I feel Spielberg's an interesting guy to talk about because popularly with most people he's considered the greatest director of all time. He's made a ton of money at the box office, he's won quite a few Oscars, and a lot of his movies are considered classics as he closes in on a 50-year career. And kind of on the other side, there's a good amount of film theorists say that he kind of destroyed the cinematic revolution of the 70s by creating the blockbuster and is even the destroying of the art of cinema. And we'll get to do a deep dive on this in a different episode, but I just wanted to state that I do not think he's the destroyer of the art of cinema. I do think he's pretty, pretty good, but especially in re and even especially in recent years he gets a bad rap which is actually what we're talking about today if you split his career almost perfectly in half you have 16 movies from jaws until 2000 and 15 movies post 2000 31 total movies next year he has the fable mints which is a story apparently about his childhood and if you watch my movie in belfast or if you watch my podcast i don't make movies yet if you watch my podcast about belfast you will know that i hope he picks the most interesting character to be main character and before Jaws, he did make Sugarland Express, which I haven't seen. And he also made the TV movie Duel, which I haven't seen. So it does currently skew a little bit in the favor of the first half having more. But in what we're talking about today, it's almost perfect. And I know Duel has a follow, uh, following, so I really should see it, but I just haven't. So if he retires at 80, though, I was thinking he will actually have this even 18-18 split. And I bring this up because the period of Jaws through 2000 includes an estimated 10 classics 10 now i'll get to them in a second and the period from 2000 and onward includes zero and some say this is a huge fall off but i think there are gems here and the few might take a turn for classic in a few different ways not necessarily as iconic as et is but how many ets can you really make in your career and i don't just mean sequels i mean like isn't there a limit to how many movies can be iconic? And the fact that Spielberg's came at the beginning of his year does beginning of his career does not take away from the fact that he's still making some good stuff late in his career. So on we go to the beginning of his career. So the ten classics, presuming with the least arguable, which means most certified classic, are Josh Schindler's List, Saving Private Ryan, E.T., the extra traditional for the full time, Marriage of the Lost Ark, Jurassic Park, and Close, Enc Close Encounters of the Third Kind. And I would throw in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Now, you might disagree with that, but I'll get to an argument in a second. You can say this is only eight movies, but I have a few others that claim to be arguable. I think Indiana Jones Temple of Doom is regarded as a classic because it's sandwiched between two genuine classics in the Indiana Jones trilogy, which could take a sign. And I think it's still actually a pretty tight action adventure. The weakest, sure, but people would include Return of the Jedi as a classic in the Star Wars trilogy. And if you don't include Return of the Jedi in your personal classics canon or disagree as a classic, then maybe you don't have nine classics. But The Color Purple was the Best Picture nominee at the time and still carries a lot of cultural cachet. And even though it was written off by some as outdated, that like this could make a 10. There's also Amistad, which I do not consider to be a classic, although I am sure that there would be a few that would argue for it. And, of course, there's Poltergeist. And does Steven Spielberg actually direct this? Many people think so. I don't. I actually love Toby Hooper. And this is a classic, definitely, and whether Steven Spielberg directed it or not is obviously debatable. I only bring this up because 
from those four movies I just listed, hopefully you can just say they're half classics or you find two that you can serve. But we got seven to eight surefire classics there. And, and rounding up, we got ten movies that will be re remembered for a long, long time. That's one of the biggest hot streaks anyone's ever been on. But, so consider two of these to be considered classics. Just pick your two and let's move on. That's 11 movies. And the other five he made during that time are Hook, Empire of the Sun, Always, The Last World, Jurassic Park, which is a sequel. I always wonder why the title's backwards. And 1941. Hook is terrible. Moving on. 1941 is not funny. And The Last World is really pretty boring. And although maybe it gets a little bit of bad rap, some people do defend it. Um, I think there's not very good stuff in there, but when they bring the monster to the city, that, that seems kind of cool. And there's also the part where I remember they're running through the kind of tall grass with the raptors and Vince Vaughn. Yeah, it's pretty fine. But overall, most people consider it a, a dud. And Empire Side is good. And always, I haven't seen, and I think it's always the most forgotten Spielberg film. Ha ha ha. Yeah. So, 10 classics, a few solid movies, and 3 absolute duds. Now, in the same time frame post 2000 let's talk classics i think there are two that need to be discussed i think it catch me if you can has had a long lasting cultural memory it's leonardo DiCaprio and tom hanks it's really fun and is this the film that will emerge from the early 2000s current z zone phase i think we're kind of an awkward point where like people consider lord of the rings to be classics but we don't know what like oscar popular like i want i hesitate to say adult films because that has a different connotation but you know like non-blockbuster more like dramatic films are considered classics there's kind of like a lot in the 90s like obviously Forrest Gump not a Spielberg movie but I'm saying like there's instant recognition for some of those but I think there's a couple in the 2000s where we're kind of struggling to figure out where they land culturally and I think that Catch Me If You Can could end up being like when we're nostalgic about 2005 because it couldn't have been a movie that people really talked about. And the other one that I think could take a turn to be considered a classic in some ways is Lincoln. And I think that the reason is, is this movie features one of the best lead performances ever from Dan Day-Lewis. And it's about the greatest American president. And it was almost the best picture winner. So there's this air of prestige, this air of epicness. I could see it being learned in schools. I could see people taking to it. I just don't think it's going to go away. And that's kind of what makes the movie a classic in some ways. Even if some people argue it's not very good, even though I do think Lincoln is actually really good, it's not going to go away. And I know some people, that they, they, that, that they think they'll be bored so they haven't watched it, it seems long, but I actually don't have anything bad about it to say about it. And I thought it was really investing. And I remember I saw it when I was 13 for the first time. And it's kind of a war movie in a sense, and those are very exciting. So um, I say watch it if you actually haven't. And okay. So moving on for this part of my list, I will go more in depth on why I think some of these movies are good. And so starting from the immediate post-2000s movies, 2000, 2005, he made six movies, three hard sci-fi films. And Spielberg was always into sci-fi from his second major movie, Close Encounters. And the stretch of AI, Minority Report, and World of the Worlds are his darkest ventures into the genre. And I don't think any of these are genre-defining or a classic movie, but if any other directors started their career so forget that stuff before 2000 with these three sci-fi films they would have carved out cult following for, for sure but just kind of lumped in to the spielberg overall like oeuvre they're like not that impressive but if you kind of like look at them as singular things they're pretty good and i actually am not a huge fan of world of worlds i understand that other people are but 
Minority Report is a really solid movie, is what I'll say here. And during this time, he made the aforementioned Catch Me If You Can, a brilliant, exciting movie. And the light comedy about the turtle will find nothing to write home about, but fine. Definitely not bad. And then he also made Munich. And Munich is one of Steven Spielberg's epic dramas, and I would argue that it's one of the best films he's made, period, like on a technical level. And it's not as revolutionary as the technology-wise as some of his other, and does not contain the sense of wonder and magic that he's known for, but contains the maturity and is an interesting look at our historical events. So, of those six, there's one potential classic and five pretty good movies, not a failure of any stretch of the imagination. Like, no complete duds. There's some movies that people might argue that they don't like but i think that he made five strong movies that kind of add to his overall filmography like you can look at those and say that was a good thing he did like it it's another dimension of spielberg and i call this period the kind of spielberg blue period kind of like P picasso but it's more of a transitory phase to what he became and i think this is where like steven spielberg maintained and perfected his amazing filmmaking mind and every aspect of his movies are just like super technically perfect at this point and I mean that, and he perfected the classical Hollywood style that he wanted to take from his idol, David Lean. But the fundamental change in this period is he lost the magic. Not the magic of the directing, but he kind of lost the magic of being able to get in touch with, like, children. And the Spielberg calling card was, like, his ability to rouse audiences with effects they'd never seen while giving them great characters and structurally sound storytelling. And a lot of times his movies were for all ages, so you can see them younger these movies were not and these are not formally revolutionary like he's not like Jean-Luc Godard for you know the three really filmy people that know the French new wave they're watching this they're not like formally unique he didn't like do any weird editing techniques he made very solid classical movies that told great stories which is what he's always done and the stories of childlike wonder or like other classics he had Schindler's List and Saving Private Meyer kind of had this like hope no matter what and like he stuck to those technical fundamentals. He got the perfect in John, composer in John Williams, and he can create visuals worthy of vast screens. Like he gave people an experience. At the end, like all his movies were so satisfying, and like the alchemy of it all was built to amaze into like a really emotional crescendo. And I think that's what people refer to, even. And I think it's in Schindler's List and Saving Private Ryan too, even though they're not technically Amblin movies, I believe. But that's the Amblin magic. That's the Spielberg feeling that was like tied to the origins of these stories and as he grew older he changed the need to appeal to all ages and to like rouse the audience it's like the formula which i think he's probably the best ever at became a little bit different and like williams hasn't always even been involved anymore is that like he changed out some of his contemporaries some of his co-workers and i think he's still technically unmatched and i mean technically not on like a technicality level but on an actual technology level and like the editing and the cinematography of the technical production of the movie, like the way it cuts, like there's never a mistake there. He knows when to hold the shot. He's not trying to push the pace. Like he's a very formal classical director. It's just the stories have changed because he changed. I think it's probably related to he got older. I'm not going to go in this whole spiel about his personal life. I think it's probably just age. And I think that's also why if you look through this period, every time he's tried to recreate the magic after this blue period, he has failed and that starts with Indian Jones and the Kingdom of Crystal School which I think is actually the movie that taught me that movies could be bad because I defended Spider-Man 3 as a kid just throwing it out there and that nuking the fridge scene like pushed this especially too far for about an eight-year-old is what I was and I also think that a lot of the 
technically george lucas wants to call them extra dimensional beings but they were aliens and those are unwelcome in the indiana jones universe and also like the massive use of cgi like did not create that visual expectation that we feel from spielberg it was cool but it wasn't actually it wasn't cool the passion was gone i'm not convinced he wanted to make that movie but then he had another run of success in 2011 spielberg did his first and only animated movie which i think is like a really cool thing they did that you can look at spielberg's filmography and find almost any genre and that's the adventures of tintin and it's a good adventure and the art style is unique compared to other animated movies and the adventure qualities of the film are quite good i've already said adventure three times but like it stands and it stands out as filmography is entirely different from all the other films yes i know indian jones is an adventure but this is animated and i ask what we should watch from a filmmaker going into like four years of work at that point he had four years of work i just said that sentence twice but essentially like when you've worked for that long don't you want to do something new don't you want to see something new from them and i think that was this and it was pretty good and then he did something new the very next year with another movie called war horse where it's conceptually the movie is weird because the main character is a horse and who would do that that's challenging and oh spielberg word because he can he's already accomplished everything he wanted to and i think that movie's fine but, however, he's not relying on his classic plates. He's doing something new, and I find that very interesting that he was doing that, you know, so late in his career. And then in 2012 and 2015, he had two movies that I will stand up for, Lincoln and Bridge of Spies. Lincoln featured one of the greatest performances of all time, as I said, and I think it's effective emotionally. And it's also one of the most important events in the country's history. So, like, it's the type of movie that the idea of the prestige, quote-unquote, movie exists to recognize. And Argo was great, however... I'm still shocked, not saying Argo didn't deserve it, but I'm shocked this movie didn't actually appeal to the Oscar voters more. But Oscars don't really matter, so the other movie I'd like to stick up for is written by the Coen Brothers, Bridge of Spies. I think this is a really tight, really good film that makes interesting, like, intentional narrative choices, and it features one of my favorite Tom Hanks performances, and this movie is also, like, really surprisingly funny and overall just, like, very strong, and I think it's the only movie that has even, like, close to Rick Cade Spielberg's, like, rousing effort, and also, like, I was shocked this movie didn't get more attention for being a Spielberg movie written by the Coen brothers because their styles are so different. And it's like, they're two, those are like, I mean, Coen's are two people and Spielberg's another. So it's technically three people who are at the like top of the filmmaking game, like all some of the best ever. And yeah, that movie's underrated. I'll stand by it. It's one of my favorite Spielberg movies. And then he tried to appeal to everybody again and he made the BFG. And in his quest to recap, and I think a little bit in his quest to recapture that connection to the audience, he made a film where people question the look of the VX effects, like, definitely, this was the first time it happened to him. Like, the BFG is a good story on paper and could have been adapted well for a film. If not for the fact the look was so off-putting, no one wanted to see it. Like, he pushed the CGI into an uncanny value valley where it looked real but also unreal, and it kind of came off creepy. I feel like if the movie had just gone into looking really cartoonish, it could have really succeeded, but... That Mark Rylance giant is just off, and, and the movie's a little bit dull. And it's a short book, so it's extremely hard to create a feature around it. But that one will be like photo, it's not photorealism, but I'm going to call it photorealism. Like, creates such an alien look that there's this, like a really strong boundary between caring about this clearly fake giant. Like, I honestly think this movie will look better with a puppet. However, you followed up with Best Picture nominee, The Post. And I mention oscars again even though i say i don't really care about them um but i wouldn't have voted for this and 
although it was not really mad enough for it to be nominated, and it's just kind of an okay one. Uh, yeah, I'm not, like, super passionate about this, but it's a movie, and it's a newspaper movie. It's not as good as Spotlight that came out a few years before it, or, like, the classics, like, All the President's Men, but it's not awful. And if you like newspaper movies, I would recommend it, and I promise we're already done. We're almost done. There's only one more. And that's Ready Player One, and Ty Sheridan is a horrendous actor. Uh, the CGI world is cool, I guess, and it's extremely clear the content has passed Spielberg by. He may have been a major driver of 80s pop culture, and for him, but for him, it's not childhood. It was business, and someone with a real love of the childhood aspect should have been the director of this. And you can tell his love for The Shining and what most people consider the best scene in the movie. And he gets as close as you possibly could to the classic, the movie The Shining PG-13 rating would allow. And I just want to be on record that I actually don't like the scene. It rubbed me the wrong way the director would so blatantly copy one of his own friends and contemporary, especially one of his past. So, yeah, a few of those movies are pretty bad that I just talked about. But imagine he was not named Steven Spielberg, the guy that made all those movies post 2000 he would be viewed a lot better and this director would be lauded for versatility they would have a cool following of sci-fi fans and well and they would also be a well-respected academy filmmaker and practically they would be considered a premier director like a guy that you gotta go see and that's essentially my point the second half of spielberg's career will never be as legendary as the first it just lacks the cultural context and it lacks some of what made it special but the visual extent aesthetic and his storytelling prowess and sort of becoming a reinvented David Lead is completely taken for granted. And we should really appreciate him. And this second half like really freshed out his career into areas that people never expected. And he tried genres that I'm not sure people even wanted from to a lot of success. And I was in overall just went pretty well. And I guess that's a lot of words to say. In conclusion, Steven Spielberg is good. I'm tired. I hope West Side Story, his foray into a musical, is really good. And bye, see you next week.